Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.01 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 21st of October 2020. This is episode 306 of Bitcoin, and there's a lot of stuff to cover today. So let's get right into it. Uh, we're going to start with Tri Lolly in the introduction yesterday of their Sats tag. What's that all about? Well, let's find out. Men C- Matt Center is telling us the TLDR here is that the Lolly Sats tag uh, gives you a reusable public identity for sending and receiving Bitcoin. Go to lolly.com forward slash Sats tag or visit satstag.com to claim yours before someone else does. That's going to be important because like the early release of uh, Twitter, it, the earlier you, you were, uh, the, more, the, the, the better the chances that you were going to get um, a moniker or a name or, you know, uh, whatever your at, you know, thing is uh, that was going to be, make sense to you, like your first name or your first and last name. So, yeah, if you want to look at this uh, or, or go ahead and get uh, your sats tag, uh, you might as well just go ahead and do it now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit of this blog post from uh, the blog.lolly.com because <clears throat> this is a little bit more important than the uh, to, uh, TLDR, right? So one of the best parts of Lolly, the leading Bitcoin rewards app in our is our community. Since we launched in August of 2018, we've had the pleasure of building one of the best, most supportive communities on the internet We engage with our community through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, Snapchat, and other channels to help educate people on Bitcoin, share Bitcoin-related news, host Bitcoin giveaways, announce company news, and post Bitcoin memes. Well, who doesn't, Matt? While we love giving away uh, free Bitcoin through Lolly and through our social channels, we are also dedicated to privacy. Identifying and verifying Lolly users on social media often requires additional steps to confirm one's identity, oftentimes via email addresses. We found this to be problematic for giving away free Bitcoin on social channels, as users would have to DM us in order to receive their reward. The Lolly team decided to streamline this process. Today, we are introducing SATS tags. That's SATS tags. S-A-T-S-T-A-G-Z is what it should be, but it's no, it's not. It's S-A-T-S-T-A-G-S. In an effort to put the power of your identity in your hands, no more need for email addresses as your identity. If you want to stay anonymous on Twitter, but want to earn and receive Bitcoin, you can choose to use your SATS tags, or rather SATS tag, to verify your account and identity and do so anonymously if you so choose. It's totally up to you. The anatomy of the sats tag looks like this. Simply put, put sats tag in your public name with a special symbol in the front. Think of it as your custodial Bitcoin username that you can use anywhere. For example, Satoshi. Now, this is where we get into the symbol thing. There's an actual symbol that they're using for this. 
<clears throat> and it's kind of ingenious, the one that they picked, okay? And we'll get into to why, but there's this, sats, they're using the example of Satoshi. But right in front of the name Satoshi is this double S symbol. You've probably seen it before, but not very often. Okay, so what's with this thing? Well, for those who don't know, one Satoshi is equal to, well, 0. 0.00000001 BTC. There, look, there's 100 million Satoshis in, in one Bitcoin. Okay, let's just put it that way. Anyway, as Satoshis, aka SATs, have become the standard denomination for Bitcoin, the internet has been begging for a symbol, and now we have one. We believe the double S symbol is the perfect symbol for SATs and chose the double S symbol for a number of reasons. <clears throat> the squiggle, technically called Silcrow, okay? S-I-L-C-R-O-W is the name of this particular symbol so that you can see it. Type in S-I-L-C-R-O-W into DuckDuckGo and you'll probably see the symbol. <clears throat> it is representative of a stylized S, which stands for SATs. So it's already on your keyboard. If you're using iOS, long press the AND symbol. If you're on Android, long press the paragraph symbol. If you're on Mac OS, it's Option plus the number 6. And if you're on Windows, it's Alt plus 21. Okay, I'm going to hold right there. <clears throat> With the demise of Room 77, I think a new bar name could, could come up and, called it, and call it Alt 21. You know, just saying, just saying. Anyway, so it, it goes on through a little bit more about the symbol stuff. Uh, see, it traditionally stands for section. Uh, and then they, but basically, uh, essentially what you're doing is when you go claim your SATS tag, you're allowing somebody to be able to send you SATS directly to your SATS tag name through your Lolly app. Uh, and I think this is great. It's internal to Lolly. I don't know if it will spread external to Lolly. Probably if it does, it sure as shit ain't going to be anytime soon. But again, they just released this thing yesterday. If you want to have like your own special name or whatever, like, or you want to see if you can get just your first name, like uh, the, what the Sil, like Silcrow Mike or Silcrow Steve or something like that. Go give it a shot because time's running out. All right, moving on. Voltage. <clears throat> Voltage is here. This was released. Well, it was announced yesterday. This is getvoltage.io. This is a, their blog. Not going to read a whole lot of it, but uh, let's get into this one. The day has come. Voltage is now available to everyone. Starting today, you can create a lightning node in the cloud. It's always on and scales with your needs. We're supporting both testnet and mainnet from day one. Prices start at $26.99 a month, and we offer a seven-day free trial. Try out the platform now by creating a node for free, and then they give you a create a node button. So what is Voltage? It's a platform built to make the Lightning Network easy to use. Today, we're releasing our core product, non-custodial cloud hosting for Lightning Nodes, through our platform, <clears throat> sorry, through our platform, anyone can create a lightning node with a few clicks. We handle all the networking, backups, and upgrades so you can focus on using lightning, not managing servers. You have the control to change your nodes, uh, settings, and access the APIs directly. Now you can get a lightning node in two minutes, not two days. All right. Is it good or bad? I don't know. I think it really, I think it depends on your attitude towards 
anything that even remotely resembles custodial. I think this is a good idea for people that just want to try out what the hell Lightning is without having to go all in, get a Raspberry Pi, get Bitcoin Core going on, then like figure out how to use Lightning channels because honestly, it's a pain in the ass. That's okay. I remember when the whole internet was a freaking pain in the ass, okay? Things are a pain in the ass. You want to talk about a pain in the ass? Drive a 1940s pickup truck that has standard transmission, no power steering, no power brakes, and and see how much of a pain in the ass, you know, what we have to go through with lightning is, all right? Drive one of those little bastards and you'll almost kill yourself because you're used to everything being easy. Power brakes, power steering, automatic transmission. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, we're not there. Right now, we're in 1940 with standard transmission, no power brakes, no power steering. Get used to it. It'll get better. I just wish everybody would stop bitching and moaning about this stuff. So anyway, it's voltage. Go to getvoltage.io if you want to check out how to uh, just within a few clicks spin up a lightning node on a cloud. I think it's a little pricey, but hey, you know, at least somebody's doing some freaking business. Okay, let's just get over that. And speaking of some more community business related stuff, the Breeze release candidate is <clears throat> getting lightning ready for the global takeover. Royal Roy Scheinfeld is writing this for Breeze technology. This is their medium page. The Breeze wallet, if you haven't heard, it's been around for a while. And the reason I'm even bringing it up is because I completely missed the fact that it has a point of sale, a point of sale function in the Breeze wallet. It's a wallet that acts like a cash register. I completely missed this. I'm so far behind. It's difficult to keep up with all this. It really is. And that actually is one of the things that makes me bullish. If I was begging for something new to come out so that I could learn something yet, you know, yet one more thing, um, and I was begging to do that, then I wouldn't be so bullish. But as it stands, it's like a deluge and I cannot keep up. Okay. So let me just get past, uh, get through this a little bit. For some, Bitcoin is an asset with great speculative potential. And Lightning is Bitcoin's shiny new toy. That's fine, I guess. For others, Lightning is about equality, emancipation, autonomy, and freedom. Imagine this kid entering a bank and applying for an account. <clears throat> and then it shows a picture uh, somewhere in India of a, you know, probably an eight-year-old kid. I don't know who he is. I don't know his name. But I do know that he runs his own business in Hyderabad. Oh, okay. So I guess Pakistan. If he went into a bank to open an account, they'd probably ask for a place of residence, picture ID, minimum deposit, maybe even legal guardians that he may or may not have. He would be rejected, and that makes me sad and a little angry. I also know that one Breeze user, Jay Rupee, helped him to download and start using Breeze POS mode. POS stands for point of sale. The bankers and bureaucrats who would deny him can now go piss up a rope. With Breeze, that kid can now receive payments and keep running his business. Using it, he is weakening anyone standing in his way. That's why I love my job. That's why we work so hard on Breeze. That's what inspired our new release. We're decentralizing the monetary system and with it, power. Hierarchy is a decrepit old building. Inequality is its foundation. Breeze is our dynamite. Man, this, this man can freaking write pretty, fairly well. That's impressive. That was an impressive string of words, sir. Excellent work. 
Um, I'm not going to read the rest of it. If you want to go, uh, you can go to medium.com forward slash breeze, B-R-E-E-Z um, hyphen technology, and you can read their blog. You'd read all about it. But the most important part here is to remember that the Breeze wallet has a point of sale function and can function as a cash register in your hands using the Lightning Network. And I absolutely love what he says here. The bankers and bureaucrats who would deny him can now go piss up a rope. That's why we're here. In case you forgot why we're here, that's why we're here. Not just for Lightning, not just for like the smooth, you know, yet one new brand new shiny wallet and shit like that. Not for all the stuff that comes down the pipe every single day for us, okay? It's so that these people that have been in control for so long can go piss up a rope. Because I think I know I'm done. I've been done for a while. And the fact that I can feel fairly secure in being done with this world and these people and this history is because of Bitcoin. That's it. Not anything else. It's that that way out. It's that exit door that, that opened and you thought it was just a huge wall, which is why everybody is so depressed. The world at this moment is probably the most depressed I've ever seen the world in my entire life. And I'm not exactly 15, okay? I'm older than that. And I mean, I grew up in the, I grew, honestly, I grew up in the 70s. You won't talk about some depressive shit. If you get a time machine, roll back to the 70s and see if you don't just want to tear your hair out. It was very gray, very dark, very depressing. And somehow or another, the 80s make it, made it all okay. I guess it was day glow orange. I don't know. But we are back into the gray times again. And this time it looks even more bleak and the walls look even more high. And when that door opened, when the Bitcoin door opened, I had no problem walking through it and leaving all this shit behind. I just, I can't stand this stuff. And seeing an eight-year-old kid selling carpets on the streets of Hyderabad and have, has to have absolutely shit to do with bankers and bureaucrats and anything like that is great. Of course, you know, the, the problem is, is like, you know, I can see cops coming and harassing the kid for selling but all he's got to do is pick up his shit and, and move somewhere else because he can take his cash register with him in his back pocket. You might want to keep that in mind. Uh, Clark Moody uh, surprised the living crap out of me. I had absolutely no freaking clue that Clark Moody had anything to do with Crypto Watch Desktop. That is at Crypto Watch. So C R Y P T O W A T underscore C H on Twitter. You might want to go see that. Uh, the the web version, I had no idea that the web version even, I, I had no idea about CryptoWatch. Whether the web version, I'm going to talk about the desktop release right now, but the, the web version, I'm probably not going to be using TradingView to look at charts anymore. I, I'm Not that I trade, but I, I like looking at charts. I like watching what the movement's doing because I can kind of like compare that against what I see on, you know, the stuff that I see on Twitter and kind of go, oh, that's why this sentiment is like this. And that's why this sentiment is like this. It makes a sort of a visual representation of, of what's going on with Bitcoin during the day. And I got to say, <clears throat> I, I dig, I really, really, really like CryptoWatch. Uh, and right now I'm just using the web-based version and I get everything. I get the itchy, the itchy cloud or whatever you want to, Ichimoto. I can't remember. I can't pronounce it, but uh, I get RSIs, I get moving averages, I get all manner of oscillators. It's nice. 
I got to tell you, you need to go see this thing. If you're using TradingView right now, I'm not saying stop. I'm just saying you may want to go see this because it's the interface is slick and it looks nice. So let's see what Clark Moody has to say. Public release of CryptoWatch Desktop is here. Built with Rust Lang, this app brings massive performance to your trading setup. Create custom layouts for multiple markets on one screen and go to the moon in style, bitches. The latest version adds two new modules. Watch list is a customizable list of market information. The test module is a space to put your streamer handle, a motivational message, or some blank space in your interface. We've also updated the order book with a horizontal mode in the time and sales with additional columns, trade taker side, and an amount of visual indicator. CryptoWatch Desktop is available today for Mac, Windows, and Linux. Oh, nice. They got a Linux thing. Also, check out our guides using desktop, including information about the keyboard shortcuts and the app. So they give you like a manual for the damn thing. And I, again, I had no idea that Clark Moody of, uh, well, what is it, the, the, his dashboard. Clark Moody's got this really cool dashboard that I use for the show. <coughs> had no idea he had anything to do with this. And I got to tell you, man, it's very impressive. So that's going to do it for the community news. All right, we got another domino falling. However, I have been told that it is not the biggest domino. Uh, we'll get to that here in a sec. LSE traded mode adopts Bitcoin as reserve asset. Adriana Hammaker is writing this one for Decrypt.co sometime very early this morning because it was just announced. UK fintech mode global holding, hold, holding, holdings. No, UK fintech mode global Holdings announced today that it will hold up to 10% of its treasury reserves in Bitcoin. The cryptocurrency purchase makes Mode the first publicly traded company in the UK to, to announce significant Bitcoin holdings. Mode joins a growing number of publicly traded companies recently announcing substantial investments in Bitcoin, including US software giant MicroStrategy and payment processing platform Square. Mode, which has built a Bitcoin banking app, was listed on the London Stock Exchange earlier this month. It said that its Bitcoin allocation is part of its long-term strategy to protect investors' assets from currency debasement. Quote, faced with the challenges of COVID and with UK interest rates at the lowest level in the Bank of England's 326-year history, our confidence in the long-term value of Bitcoin has only increased, <clears throat> said <clears throat> excuse me, Jonathan Rowland, <clears throat> sorry, executive chairman at Mode in a statement, quote, we truly believe that Bitcoin is a vehicle for financial empowerment and through mode, investors can gain exposure to this highly attractive asset class through a listed and fully compliant company. Mode raised, th uh, what, 7.5 million pounds on its first day of trading on the London Stock Exchange. The company market cap currently stands at 36.64 million pounds, which is right around $47 million dollars. To support its vision, the company has built a mobile banking application that allows people to easily buy, sell, and hold Bitcoin while generating income on its investment. And then they go into like the MicroStrategy, buy 424 million Bitcoin worth of Bitcoin. We don't need that. However, it should be noted that when I put this, uh, put this story up on Twitter, I got a guy named Tomer Strolite who called me or basically uh, didn't call me out. He was giving me some information. And one of the things that he said about it was that he had just checked and at their last public filing, they had 
625,000 pounds sterling on their balance sheet. Okay, so that's how much actual cash they're holding, right? So he says this ain't one or this, so this one ain't tipping the scales. But on the other hand, every company I advise is getting advice to put everything but that which they need for operations into Bitcoin. And he clarifies that. He says, to be clear, I'm the one giving the advice. So for the last eight years, I've told every individual I know to buy Bitcoin. Now I'm telling every company to do that. <laughs> so I asked him if he had spoken to Keith. Let's, let's just continue on. <laughs> Central Bank of Bahamas launches landmark sand dollar digital currency, like sands through the hourglass. So are the shit coins of our lives, because that's all this is, is yet one more freaking shit coin. Sebastian Sinclair is going to tell us about it for Coindesk, and he's doing it. When did he write this? Oh, yeah, sometime this morning. <clears throat> the first of its kind in the world to have been fully deployed, the sand dollar is a digital version of the Bahamian dollar. <clears throat> Issued by the country's monetary authority as a central bank digital currency, the announcement of the launch came via a tweet on Wednesday as, okay, that's, yeah, that's how you, that's how you announce a national currency launches, apparently by tweeting it. The project is designed to bring more inclusive access to regulated payments and other financial services per the central bank's frequently asked questions. CBDCs have been a hot topic this year. China appears to be close to launching its digital wand, which in recent days has seen its biggest public trial. Oh, God, you mean it's freaking beta launch on how to track everybody. Others, like the U.S., Russia, and the EU, are looking into their respective CBDC launches, but as reported by Coindesk, the first phase of the Bahamas rollout sees private sector players such as banks and credit unions readying compliance checks for personal and enterprise wallets to support the sand dollar. The digital wallets will be secured with multi-factor authentication security and will be mobile-based, servicing the 90% of the population with smartphones. Underserved communities of the Caribbean nation are the primary target for the initiative. I'm not sure the Bahamas are in the Caribbean, y'all. It's actually a little bit <laughs> more north than that is from what I remember, but okay, whatever. Uh, which the bank said would reduce financial service delivery costs and boost transactional efficiency. The country is an archipelago with hundreds of islands placing limits on traditional infrastructure. The sand dollar is backed one-to-one to the Bahamian dollar, which in turn is pegged to the United States dollar. So they launched their shit coin. <clears throat> It'll be interesting to see what happens with this thing. But sand dollar, I don't know, man. Sand seems kind of cheap. It's I don't I would not have picked that name, but Whatever. Now, you want to talk about launching a shitcoin. Let's talk about the refleecing of the DeFi crowd. DeFi Deja Vu as another stealth Andre Cronje project launches. Yeah, yeah, he has launched another one. Samuel Hayes going to tell us about it. He's writing for Cointelegraph about six hours ago. Yearn finance creator Andre Cronje or Cronje. Cronje, whatever, uh, quietly published his third protocol to GitHub since August on October the 19th, dubbed Keep Keeper Network, K-E-E-P, the number three, and then R. So it's Leet Speak, right? <clears throat> Despite the uh, lack of a formal launch announcement and Keeper's documentation stating that the protocol is in beta, over-exuberant investors once again 
rush to invest into the project, many of whom have already incurred losses. Keeper is a decentralized gig-style marketplace for technical jobs powered by its native token KPR. Oh God, the platform is intended to give manpower-strapped crypto projects access to specialized labor and technology. Keeper's documentation cites that it's simplistic as calling a transaction or as complex as requiring extensive off-chain logic, bro, as examples of the sorts of jobs supported by the platform. Employers can also pay KPR to contractors from the fees earned by yield farming, KPR, and Ether on Uniswap. So there's your shitcoinery part of it. The new project was spotted by individuals following CroneJ's GitHub or Ethereum address, with CroneJ having directly interacted with the code from his personal wallet. A handful of opportunistic traders and their bots quickly injected money into the platform and began trading the token on Uniswap, causing its price to Jesus causing its price to spike from $1 to $2,000 on thin volume before the token dumped back below $100 as CroneJ redeployed Keeper's contracts contracts multiple times while testing the code. Thankfully, KPR only attracted a few thousand dollars in volume, unlike CroneJ's most recent experiment, Eminence, which was completely drained of $15 million dollars, while CroneJ was sleeping and unaware that his followers rushed to invest into the protocol, the hacker transferred half of the funds to CroneJ, who awoke in a flurry, to a flurry of death threats before distributing the stolen funds back to Eminence investors. <clears throat> the incident drove CroneJ away from social media for nearly two weeks. Oh my God, it's like a black hole of time. With the developer vowing to maintain a low profile moving forward. Good job, bro. Yearn Finance has also seen a recent downturn with the project's total value locked TVL. The, the total value locked is the TVL. Crashing from 50% from $900 million this time last month. Yearn is currently the ninth largest DeFi protocol with a total value locked of $451 million. <clears throat> Yearn published a manifesto articulating its vision of decentralization yesterday, but notably J was not among the six developers that signed the document. So he's refleecing. I mean, let the refleecing begin. If you didn't learn, you're going to have multiple chances to learn how to not lose all your money. And hopefully you learn before all of your money is taken by Andre Cronjay and all his Cronjays. You know, cronies. Bitcoin average transaction value increases 500% 500% since July. Joshua Mapperson has this one for Cointelegraph written sometime this morning. And I've been noticing this too in vital statistics or when I'm running the numbers, I always look at the average va- or the median value transaction. I think this is talking about the average transaction, but still both have increased substantially over the last few months. And they're talking about the whole year here. So let's find out. The average value of Bitcoin transactions has increased dramatically since July. The average transaction value was sitting at approximately $25,000 per transaction four months ago, but posted a yearly high on October the 20th at $151,000 per transfer, representing an increase of more than $500. The latest spike is shown by crypto analytics firm, uh, platform BitInfo charts, which is what I use saw the average value of the transaction increase almost $50,000 up from $105,000 in the last 48 hours. 
This surge in transaction value comes shortly after Bitcoin's trading dominance rose to levels not seen since 2017. The 151,000 average value is 190 times more than Ethereum's average transaction value of $793, suggesting a significantly greater institutional presence in the Bitcoin markets. However, the number of daily Ethereum transactions increased by 30% amid the DeFi boom in August, reaching a two-year high of 1.29 million on August the 10th. Over the same period, Bitcoin transactions consistently hovered between 300,000 and 350,000, suggesting the Ethereum ecosystem was the primary magnet for new crypto users. <laughs> yeah, because those are the easiest ones to fleece. The number of Bitcoin active addresses also showed no significant changes, fluctuating be- between 650,000 and 970,000 over the last four months. Accumulation figures show that institutional investors are starting to take notice as large investment firms like Grayscale and MicroStrategy increase their accumulation of large amounts of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies over the last few months. By the end of September, Grayscale controlled at least, oh my God, 449,900 BTC or almost 2.5% of the current supply of Bitcoin and MicroStrategy owns... Uh, 38,250. Two weeks later, Jack Dorsey Square purchased 4,709 BTC. So there you go. Yep. And that average, I actually like more, I don't know, I like looking at the median number more than anything else. I think at the median, when people say that, oh, well, it's the average, it's the average. I don't know, man. In statistics, so it I, it really depends on what it is you're looking at. But a lot of times, man, the median is what you're really after. But, you know, hey, you can take your coffee blacker with cream. It doesn't really matter to me. SEC seeks $5 million fine, or I think you spelt graft wrong here, but uh, $5 million fine over kicks $100 million ICO. You know, this is just bullshit. This is what this is. The United States Security and Exchange Commission proposed to a New York court that messaging app company, Kick, should pay $5 million fine for illegally holding a $98 million initial coin offering for its crypto network. U.S. District Court Judge Alvin Hellerstein sided with the SEC in its lawsuit against the Canada-based company at the end of September Now the SEC seeks to impose a penalty. The proposed settlement, which is yet to be ratified by the judge, would require Kick to wire the SEC $5 million and give it 45 days notice before it starts another token sale. $5 million. That's it. This settlement would not force Kick to return the $98 million it raised in its 2017 ICO to investors. That's where I'm stopping this story because we're at the 30-minute mark. How, how, how is this like, okay, as, as, as a Bitcoiner, I always rail against government. However, government's there. It's going to be there. It's not like it's going to go away. I mean, we can pull as many teeth out of it as we possibly can. And that's what we should do. But while it has those teeth, you got to start asking the question, why is the bite not so bad? These guys illegally raised $98 million. They did it in full view. Everybody has an address. They arrest the dude from from freaking BitMEX. They'd have no problem throwing him in the slam, but these guys just they just want to cut. How 
why didn't you just take a cut from BitMEX? They have a shit ton more money than $98 million. Your cut for the, the cut for the SEC would have been a lot more than that. This is graft. This is organized crime. The SEC is no more than one of Al Capone's sergeants or lieutenants going out in the field and shaking down a store owner. Okay. It's not even that important of, of a lieutenant. All right. I mean, this is, this is a percentage, a single digit percentage of what they took in in their IPO. How does this not make me want to start my own IPO knowing that I'm not going to go to jail and that all I'm going to do is pay a fine and it's just going to, I'm just going to put it on my books as cost of doing business and walk away with $93 million free and clear. What is the SEC's purpose? I don't know, man. Let's run the numbers. Energy futures. West Texas Intermediate is down three quarters of a point. Brenton North Sea crude is down ah, 0.8. Natural gas is swinging to the upside 1%. Uh, it's just going to cost you almost $3 for a thousand cubic feet of natural gas. All the metals are up. Gold is up 0.24. Silver is up a half. Platinum is up 0.39. Copper is up 0.73. And palladium is up 0.3. Three. So it looks like gold's going to have an opening somewhere around $1,920. We have index futures. Everything looks like it's going to go to the upside. But then again, it looked like that on Monday too, and it didn't end up happening. But Dow futures right now looks like it's going to be up 0.4, S&P 0.4, NASDAQ. Yeah, NASDAQ futures is going to be up 0.3, and the S&P mini is going to be up 0.4. So everything seems to be moving to the upside today. I guess there's news. I don't know. One thing that I would really like to see on the futures and commodities <clears throat> is a section for uh, how much percentage to the upside or downside the SEC is going to get off their graft. So screw them. Bitcoin is at $12,227. If you were under a rock, yes, we passed $12,000. The question to every, on everybody's mind is, will it hold? I don't know. How long have you been in this space? My God almighty people. I got a high over at BitAsset. It's going to be 12,250. Looks like my low is going to be chilling at eight, hit BTC at 12,220. So all of a $30 trading range between exchanges. Uh, we have had uh, 330,850 transactions in the last 24 hours. That's almost 14,000 transactions every hour on the hour. And holy shit, 4.5 million BTC have been sent around the horn in that 24 hours. Let me say that again. 4.5 million BTC has been sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. That means that about 191,127 BTC are being sent on average every hour. That's $2.3 million right there. No, wait. Hold on, $2.3 billion, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, $2.3 billion are being sent across the network every hour. The average transaction value is 13.86 BTC, that's $170,000 US. The median transaction is 0.048 BTC, which is $588 
Block times are high, 10 minutes and 40 seconds. We have 0.7 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 96.17 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We are sitting at 135.8 exahashes per second. That is three and a half points to the upside in change. <clears throat> Ethereum at 378, Bcash at 255, Litecoin at 49, BSV at 161, Ethereum Classic at five and a quarter, Dogecoin holding at 0 0.0026, 40,500 transactions in the last 24 hours puts Doge on top of Ethereum Classic and Bcash as usual, and still Litecoin for whatever reason is has had massive usage over the last couple of weeks. I don't understand it, but there it is. Clark Moody, his dashboard I'm looking at right now, he's seeing a price even lower than what I was seeing, 12,214. It looks like there is 14,500 transactions that are needing to clear, and that will take about 14 blocks to do so. There is 1,048,000 BTC, 1 million, sorry, 1,048 BTC is in the Lightning Network. That's $12.8 million of capacity. That's spread across 7,533 nodes, representing 36,151 channels. Uh, Tor capacity has increased yet again. We are still above 50% at 50.3. There are 527.57 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network, and that is spread across 2,476 nodes. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the snooze you can use. This part two of the morning roundup, that is publicly trading Bitcoin fund in Canada's stock exchange surpasses $100 million. This is BTC Times uh, written by unknown. <laughs> I love it. Bitcoin fund, uh, the Bitcoin fund. An exchange traded fund or an ETF operated by 3IQ a digital asset manager based in Canada, surpassed the $100 million milestone. Full stop. Hold on for a sec. I got a guy, uh, BTC Manhattan, has told me that he wrote a whole thread about this and that the article is actually technically wrong. It is not an ETF. So keep that in mind as we go through the rest of this. The company describes the Bitcoin fund as the world's first regulated ETF, which is apparently in contention, okay? Let's, whether it's an ETF or not, I don't know. But it trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange, that's for damn sure. The Bitcoin fund currently has 7.51 million stocks or units outstanding, according to 3IQ. Following its 4.14% increase in the last 24 hours, its market cap surpassed $100 million. On October the 19th, 3IQ announced that the Class A units of the Bitcoin fund have started to trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange with the symbol QBTC. Since the fund works as an ETF, again, keep it in mind, that is in contention. Investors trading in Canada's stock market can gain exposure to Bitcoin through brokerage accounts. At the time, 3IQ, uh, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> at the time, 3IQ CEO Fred Pye said, quote, finally. Canadian investors have the opportunity to trade the Bitcoin fund in their native currency and through their locally denominated accounts, thus eliminating the interminable costs and albeit hassle 
of covering or converting currencies, end quote. The day after the Class A units commenced trading, the Bitcoin fund saw a sharp rise in the stock price, causing its market cap to exceed $100 million. <clears throat> Tyler Winklevoss, the billionaire Bitcoin investor and the CEO of Gemini, said it is a major milestone for the fund. Quote, big milestone, the Bitcoin fund by 3IQ that trades publicly on the Toronto Stock Exchange under QBTC just passed the $100 million mark onward, end quote, through October. Following Square and MicroStrategy's high-profile investments in Bitcoin, the market cap of the fund has noticeably increased. On October the 1st, at the start of the month, the share of the QBTC was trading at $14.53. Since then, it increased by 8.95% within merely three weeks. Woo! Institution-focused exchanges, uh, futures markets, and funds, including 3IQ, are seeing clear increases in appetite for Bitcoin from exchanges, according to market anal analytics firm SKU Futures. Open interest of CME's Bitcoin futures market also rose sharply on October the 20th. The researchers at SKU wrote, quote, CME Bitcoin futures open interest rose sharply yesterday, adding nearly 1,500 contracts on the October expiry, end quote. The rising open interest of CME Bitcoin futures is particularly optimistic, given that CME's uh, commitment of trader report found that the tr number of long contracts held by institutions rose to an all-time high. Coincidentally, since Square publicized the allocation of 1% of its capital into Bitcoin, BTC has risen by more than 15% against the United States dollar. Okay, well, so is it an ETF or not? Well, this, what I've been told by a couple of different people uh, in uh, over Twitter is that this is actually more like GBTC than it is an actual ETF. And it sounds exactly like that. So I'm not sure if the use of ETF by the CEO is uh, the best language to use, but hey, whatever, you know, people are going to do whatever people do. BitMEX ramps up the rollout of user verification program KYC procedures. <gasps> Who would have possibly thunk that considering that they just got freaking hosed by the SEC and the Commodities Exchange Commission or the CFTC, why didn't you just find them? Again, I'm, I'm going to harp on that a lot because this is not the first time that SEC has completely shown that they are a graft organization and not an enforcement organization. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, Scott Cipollina is writing this for Decrypt.co on October the 20th. Crypto exchange BitMEX is making changes to the rollout plan for its user verification program, KYC procedures, accelerating the date for users to be fully verified to November the 5th, 2020. Man, that is coming up, dude. Full verification by this date will be necessary for a user to continue trading on the platform. Another change to the rollout schedule means that, <coughs> excuse me, by December the 4th, 2020, Users will not be able to withdraw their funds from their BitMEX account without completing verification. So you just got shotgunned into doing this shit, yo. BitMEX's user verification program, or the UVP, was introduced on August the 28th, 2020. As part of the UVP, individual users are prompted to upload a photo ID and proof of address, take a selfie, and answer several questions that relate to the source of their funds and their trading experience. BitMEX says this takes approximately five minutes to complete, and many of their customers have already completed the process. Quote, we've already got more than 50% of our client base through the process, which has been remarkably successful by any measure. Ben Radcliffe, commercial director at 100X Group, the holding platform for BitMEX owner-operator HDR Global, 
Trading Limited told Decrypt. Oh, God, that's a mouthful. By November the 5th, all users will need to have completed full verification in order to open a new position or increase an existing position. <clears throat> However, existing positions can be maintained or reduced by unverified users. In addition, pending orders that would increase a user's permission will be canceled should that user not have completed the full verification process. After December the 4th, if there are any remaining open positions on unverified accounts, BitMEX has said they will review these and communicate directly with the account holders in order to facilitate the closure of these positions. Quote, <clears throat> Recent events have underscored the requirement for market operators to implement robust and compliant KYC programs. This has been a period of accelerated change for the 100X Group and the BitMEX platform, and we are encouraged by and thank our clients and the wider industry for the support we have received in the last few weeks, BitMEX said in a prepared statement. BitMEX's UVP has also been designed to offer a practical advantage for the exchange, allowing it to verify the identity of an owner in the event of a dispute. Crypto exchanges have come under pressure from regulators in recent months to establish robust KYC procedures as countries around the world look to ensure that their legislation complies with the recommendations from the Financial Action Task Force. Yet the problem persists. CypherTrace, a blockchain analytics company, recently published a report that said 56% of crypto exchanges have weak KYC procedures. Okay, well, fine. Why do we give a shit about the Financial Action Task Force? Were they elected? I mean, is it a, you know, who, who are these people? Honestly, who are these people? Why do we listen to them? Why are we forced to listen to people that aren't even in our own country? Well, I didn't elect them. I didn't elect the guy that elected them. Who are these people? And somehow or another, they've just gained all this power. I mean, if, if, you, if you still think that we're not living in the matrix, then you, you really need to wake up. We're in the matrix. We are knee deep in the matrix. And I can be as woke as I can possibly be about the fucking matrix. And I'm still in the matrix. I can't, I'm doing everything that I can to get out. I'm doing everything that I can to hit that exit door, dude. But it's like it just keeps dragging you back. At one point, a fight is coming. And I don't know how it is that 7.9 billion people against a handful of dickheads can possibly lose. And yet somehow or another, we wake up to losses every single day. How on earth does that work? I don't know if we're ever going to know. But OKX users express frustration. Over suspended withdrawals, you know what's coming next, right? Not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Turner Wright, going to tell us why for Cointelegraph. Quote, it's a bit weird that one of the biggest exchanges in the world isn't letting us withdraw money for so long, said one crypto Twitter user. <clears throat> you know, we've been warning about this forever. Major exchange OKX suspended crypto withdrawals on October the 16th with little information coming from the firm or its CEO, Jay Howe. In the time since, users have begun demanding answers via Twitter. In an October 20th tweet from Howe, the CEO stated that there had been no on-chain outflow since the exchange announced it had temporary, temporarily suspended withdrawals on Friday. Yeah, the gold window is supposed to be temporarily closed too. Ha ha ha. Your assets are safe, said Howe. We'll do our best to resume withdrawals ASAP. The exchange reported on October the 16th that it had suspended cryptocurrency withdrawals because of its private key holder was cooperating with a public security bureau regarding an ongoing investigation. 
at the time, OKX said that it planned to resume withdrawals immediately once it was able to authorize such transactions with the key holder. Reports indicate that the police also brought the exchange's founder, Star Zoo, in for questioning a week prior to the announcement. This has left OKX users expressing their growing frustration. Many users complained about the lack of transparency compared to that of other exchanges. Quote, where is your CEO, Jay Howe? He has to interact to give updated info frequently. When something happens with Binance, CZ tweets every hour. End quote. New quote. With billions locked up and the reputation of the exchange at stake, what is the reasoning for not providing more transparency? For example, detailing how the key situation occurred, asked user Dougie Clark. Others implied they were leaving the exchange permanently, presumably once they regain access to their funds. Cointelegraph reached out to OKX for a comment, but representatives did not respond Respond in time for publication. Not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Do not, I mean, if you, if you just have to go degen, bro, and trade all damn day, then only have the Bitcoin that you're going to trade. And the minute that your trade is executed, you need to get your shit off the exchange because this is exactly what happens. And it's not going to be, it's not going to stop with OKX. It's going to be all of them. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. My recommendation is check out HODL HODL. If you got to trade this shit, then at least use a truly decentralized exchange. And I ain't talking about Uniswap either. Stay as far away from DeFi as you can. Yes, I get it. Have fun staying poor and all that shit. Hey, what, where's your wealth? Is it literally how many cars you can drive? Or is it the sleep you get knowing that you didn't fuck somebody else, okay? That's all I'm saying about DeFi. So now, Coindesk, let's see what's happened with DeFi. Oh, comp is below $100. Let's have a look back on DeFi summer as it sparked. Oh, God. From yesterday, Brady Dale. The curtain has fallen on DeFi summer. Not that the sector is done, but the wild buzz seems to be. This reminds me of the opening scenes of the movie Grease with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Summer coming to a close and all that. Anyway, the changing of the seasons is marked by Compound Government's token comp falling below $100 early Tuesday. Comp kicked off the yield farming craze way back in June as a new mechanism for luring assets and dipshits onto what is now the sixth largest decentralized finance platform and the first to briefly topple MakerDAO as the industry leader. <clears throat> Comp has been hovering right, above, right around 100 bucks since a big drop on October the 6th brought it down close to our arbitrary threshold and it's finally lost that sweet third order of magnitude. Compound Labs founder Robert Leshner declined to comment for this story. After Compound's June surge, things started to get interesting as DeFi's money Legos began stacking up. First introduced by, on Ethereum by Synthetics in July 2019, liquidity mining is what inspired this summer's boom. The prospect of giving people a fresh new token above and beyond normal returns on deposits quickly drove Comp up higher than anyone had seemed to anticipate. On June the 21st, Comp reached its zenith at $372. The governance token's runaway success led other dApps to follow suit, such as with the multi-token pool maker balancer, the non-fungible token marketplace rarible, and others. But events would quickly become comical in ways they only can in crypto. First, a prominent automated market maker would have its governance token accidentally released early, then vegetable coins would take over everyone's imagination 
And the final drama would introduce vampirism and a convoluted exit scam. Ultimately, leading AMM Uniswap would release its governance token, Uni, with its own liquidity mining scheme. Quote, I personally consider Uni issuance is the peak of this farming movement, Primitive Ventures' Dovey Wan told Coindesk in an email. The takeaway from DeFi Summer for Wan is the power of the fair launch narrative that was kicked off by Yearn.Finance. Yearn had already been a tool to optimize returns when Comp was first released, but the excitement engendered by yield farming sparked a lot of innovation. Yearn's creator, Andre Cronjay, created the Wi-Fi governance token, and urged liquidity <clears throat> providers to earn it rather than buy it. Setting aside no pre-mine for himself, this sent already hyped up yield farmers into overdrive. Quote, the biggest value of this hype is bringing the fair launch back to the game, Juan wrote. The fundraising or bootstrapping liquidity mechanism itself through farming quickly gains mind share and adoption. This will definitely bring value to the industry as an alternative to the previous VC presale game. I, just so sad to see Dovey Wan fall for this shit. I really liked her. I really did. But it sounds like she's drank the Kool-Aid. And that's just too damn bad. Quote, it's obvious to anyone who studies this space that DeFi has major structural advantages compared to CeFi. Spencer Noon. Oh, he's blocked me because I called him out on this bullshit. An investor at DLT Capital told Coindesk in an email referring to traditional or centralized finance. <clears throat> Quote, this is because, among other factors, protocols don't have employees, physical locations, or incur other expenses that traditional finance companies do. Yeah, well, Spencer, they still steal your money because they're freaking scammers. So shove it, dude. In a provocative twist, the final raise of DeFi summer coincided with the United States enforcement actions against crypto exchange BitMEX that cast a new light on the benefits of decentralization. Quote, if we look at the big picture, the recent indictment from the Department of Justice on BitMEX is another alert why we need a true decent, truly decentralized finance alternative where it can have minimal exposure to potential regulatory haul, Juan wrote, who added that bubbles are moments for innovation and adoption. Who bought you, Dovey? You used to be all right. You did. You used to be all right. What the hell happened, man? But even as DeFi summer cooled, the coin that kicked it all off held on to value as the narrative it had launched moved on, but it wasn't until September 4th that comp would sink below $200. Kane Warwick of Synthetics, the firm that birthed liquidity mining into the crypto lexicon, is undeterred by the cooling of DeFi's, uh, 2020's DeFi buzz. He believes that underneath it all, an actual industry has been proven out. Quote, decentralized exchange volumes and usage as well as total locked value, or total value locked, are still up. 10% from earlier in the year. So while the irrational exuberance has been tempered, we are still directionally in a good place in terms of traction. Warwick said, adding, quote, at some point, we need a to transition from hype to reality. The big difference between this cycle and the previous one is that the reality is here and it is sustainable. Yeah, not if you're going to be yield farming. All right. I am absolutely certain that DeFi is not going to go away. Just like ICOs are never going to go away. They never did go away. They aren't going to go away. There's going to be more of them. Is there, is there any potential whatsoever inside of DeFi? Maybe. Maybe. But honestly, right now and probably for the very near and medium term future, this is a scammer's beach. It is going to be just filled with the worst sorts of scum and 
villainy that you've ever seen, right? It's like the most icy spaceport in freaking Star Wars. I don't know if it will ever have any use. I mean, it it depends on, I mean, if I'm just yield farming a token to get yet another token to farm that to get yet another token, this does, this to me is just walking around in a circle. Yes, I get it. Have fun being poor because I'm not actually cashing it in. I don't want to go through all that. I don't want to figure out where I should sell at the top and how to get dollars. And if I got to like buy 12 tokens in a row to be able to finally get to dollars, I don't know, man, this is this, it just seems all way convoluted and it doesn't seem to offer a whole lot right now, but it's not going to go away. And somebody, maybe somebody somewhere will figure out how to actually use decentralized finance to, oh, I don't know, offer a home improvement loan. That's what the finance is supposed to be, is actually making liquidity available for some poor dipshit to either buy a car, buy a house, make home improvement, do remodeling, expand a house, buy you know a business, expand a business. That's what finance is. Finance is not farming a token to farm another token to farm another token to farm another token to somehow figure out some poor dipshit who's got U.S. dollars and willing to like buy this 12-time farm token, okay? That's not it. That is not it. So we're going to end with this one. <clears throat> this one, I don't know the efficacy or just how far along they are or whether or not it's going to work, but it's scary as shit. Okay. And we might, I mean, it's what is it? Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. We might as well go ahead and top out hump day with something that's just really insidious. Samuel Haig is going to tell you all about it through the lens of coin telegraph four hours ago. 17 million Chinese tourists verify health using blockchain to visit Macau. Interoperability between Macau's blockchain-powered medical data system and mainland Chinese health codes allowed tourism between the two jurisdictions to recommence. By itself, that tells you everything, but it's not that long of an article. Chinese nonprofit blockchain consortium Fisco BCOS reports that blockchain-based health records have successfully enabled China to resume mainland tourism to Macau. From May, Macau's blockchain-powered medical data system has recognized ID codes of the Guangdong Health System on the mainland, allowing mainland Chinese tourists to verify their health status using the DLT-powered system when entering the autonomous region. DLT is distributed ledger technology because, honestly, you don't need a blockchain for this, but whatever. To date, more than 17 million tourists have cleared customs between Macau and China's mainland using Macau's blockchain health code. The announcement boasts that it can take just 100 seconds for mainland Chinese to generate a Guangdong health code for the first time and roughly three seconds for future health verification when traveling through customs. Quote, the establishment of Macau blockchain health code and the mutual recognition mechanism with Guangdong health code greatly improves the efficiency and accuracy of information verification across borders. It proves to be an effective solution to bring travel between mainland China and Macau back to normal, end quote. The system encrypts medical data to the Fisco BCOS consortium blockchain, which is immutably signed by issuing authorities. 
WeChat's We Identity solution is used to transfer data between Macau and Guangdong in adherence to Macau's data protection guidelines. Macau's health code system was introduced in response to the coronavirus pandemic, which saw the territory suspend travel from mainland China in January. The blockchain-powered digital health passport was developed by the Singaporean government-owned investment firm SG Innovate and local startup Accredify. Accredify. The firms began working on the system in May to increase the efficiency of workflows among medical workers fighting the pandemic. At the end of September, it was announced that the system had been used to verify coronavirus discharge records more than 1.5 million times. Last week, local media revealed that the Chinese island province of Hainan is also seeking to trial a blockchain-powered rewards program to boost tourism as China's economy reopens. Hainan was selected last year to host a regulatory sandbox of blockchain innovation. Okay, so the scary part clearly is the fact that you're going to need a pa- a health passport now. You've we, we I don't know how to fight it, but we got to fight it. And I don't know if we're going to win, but again, how is it that 7.9 billion people on the face of the planet can't get past a few hundred thousand? How does that work? How does that balance of power, how has that actually stayed uh, stable over the last, I don't know, forever? I mean, it doesn't matter what the population is. There's always been a very few people that have told a very large amount of people what to do. How does, how? that? What is it about the human psyche that forces us to always be in a prison? And the and the people that are in that are running the prison have fabulous wealth. Okay, I mean fabulous wealth and power. I'm not talking about redistribution. I'm talking about why is it should we listen to the FATF? Fuck them. Why should anybody listen to the fact that you can't go to Macau unless you have a health passport that is somehow or another put on the blockchain because it's not. It's a distributed ledger. That's all you really need. That's not a blockchain. Okay? There's no token of value that secures, that is an incentive structure to have a whole bunch of people secure the damn blockchain. There's nothing circular about DLT. It's not a blockchain. It's just DLT. And yet here we are, you got 17 million tourists that had to somehow or another verify that they weren't going to kill everybody because they're some disease vector flying around on airplanes. Because that's what we're looked at. As all the people of the world are looked at just like diseased, scummy, uh, just ready to traffic, you know, sex traffic children. We're just ready to do terrorist financing. We are all poised on the precipice of being the worst sort of scum and villainy that the universe has ever known. All of us, not just me, but you the person sitting next to you, the guy in the car that's, you know, like right in front of you, he's a fucking scumbag. You know why I know? Because Fatif tells me so. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Daily Train Wrecked is brought to you by Tanner Litz, who, as a person who just turned 15, I understand politics, equality, and science, but I mainly understand common sense. Vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris.
15 years old, and he understands politics, equality, and science. Let me read that one more time. 15 years old, and he understands politics, equality, and science. <laughs> wow, there's a smoldering pile for you right there. Let's just go ahead and finish that, this laughter off with a joke. But it's not from Dad Says Jokes. I'm seeing a lot more people tell jokes on Twitter, and it's actually kind of heartwarming. Uh, continue at K-I-N-T-I-N-U-E says, where do you take someone that was injured, injured in a peekaboo contest? The ICU. Get it? Man, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.